Danny J. And I'm Jill Coleman. Welcome to the Best Life Podcast. Here, we talk about everything from success, money, relationships, and entrepreneurship to productivity, honest communication, positive psychology, and how to cultivate an abundance mindset. Make money, travel the world, deepen your relationships, live full out. This is the best life. going to record this episode. Oh, I am excited about this episode. (laughs) This is Jill. This is Danny J. And uh, actually, I'm excited for this episode because I know that you were going to do something really interesting and new uh, for you. And I want to talk about it. And you haven't even told me what happened. So I think this is going to be fun for us to kind of talk through it together. So do you want to sort of give people a little bit of the backstory of what you did and why you did it? Yeah. So y'all, if you haven't, if you've been a longtime listener of the podcast and listened to every episode, then you know about a little bit of my history of depression. And I think it was episode maybe 30. I want to say it was early. Yeah. I, I did a whole episode on depression and actually I was going through a really rough time and, um, Jill really helped me out in this situation. I was, I was really just honestly like suicidal, if I'm going to just call it what it is. And I asked her if I could take her car and go to a emergency mental health clinic, which they do have in Los Angeles. I don't know if they have it in Vegas. I don't know if they have it in a lot of places, but you can go to these. It's basically an ER, a mental health ER, and you can get meds. And so we went to this place and I got on meds right away. And I've been on them since for the most part, pretty consistently. So this was 2018 early on in the podcast. So yes, yeah, um, Yeah. Episode 30. So, um, and I've struggled with this for a good chunk of my life. I'd say at least since my teenage years, um, often on medications. And I remember my mom saying things to me, like, you're going to have to be on meds your whole life. And I did not want that to be my, I don't know, like I did not want to have that be my life. So I got off and I really feel like fitness helped me through a lot of that stuff. So in my twenties, I wasn't on any kind of mental health meds. You know, I think diet and exercise really helped. Um, but for whatever reason, 2018 things just started to kind of fall apart. And what my big struggle was, and I shared this in the episode and definitely go back and listen to it. If this resonates at all with you is things in my life were going good. I had great relationships. I lived in a really beautiful place and I was having these very invasive thoughts. And that's the only way I can describe it is thoughts. I did not want. And that I was entertaining and I couldn't push them away. And so my only thought of recourse was either to kill myself or try to get on meds and like kind of take a sharp right turn until I could get a handle on it again. And so I told myself I'd get back on meds and then I'd get off once I got into maybe a routine and started feeling better. So 2018 on until the end of basically last August, 2021, I was on antidepressants. And if you want to know which ones I was on Zoloft for a while, and then I was on Wellbutrin and that seemed to work. The Wellbutrin seemed to work well for me. Zoloft, not so much. Um, and you guys, if you've been on also long, you know, that Jill and I went to Costa Rica to do ayahuasca, which is a plant medicine. And a friend had told us about Rhythmia, which is where we went. And the reason why he told me about Rhythmia was he said, have you ever thought about doing ayahuasca for your mental health for getting off meds? So that was the kind of the catalyst. I had posted about the depression episode, and then he told us about Rhythmia. We went to do ayahuasca and 
for 30 days prior to our ayahuasca retreat, I got off the meds because they said I should. And probably for 30 days after I was um, still off, but I noticed myself slipping. And I, even though we did the five days of ayahuasca, I felt like this, it didn't quote fix me. Um, but I've still just been on this journey of not wanting to be on medication my whole life. And not that there's anything wrong with it. It's just that in, in my mind, and maybe anybody who's been through this field, maybe feels this way that, that maybe something's wrong with you. If you have to take medication, I don't believe there's a deficit of, um, serotonin or whatever in my brain. I do think there's there's chemical things that are wrong. Um, I also think there's maybe unprocessed trauma and things. So stuff I'm always trying to work on and figure out. And I guess I'm just that kind of person. I'm like, I want to figure this. I want to figure this out. Maybe I'm just stubborn. Maybe I should just take pills for the rest of my life and shut up. But so all that <laughs> roundabout way of telling you, um, I started to look into a couple different things, um, that some friends had told me about one was called TMS. It's, I don't know what it stands for. It's like trans micro cranial something. Basically it's this magnetic thing that they tap on your brain, but you have to go into the TMS session five days a week for six weeks. And from 2018 to 2020, I was basically living out of a suitcase, traveling all the time. So there was no way in any foreseeable future that I would be in one place for six weeks that I could do this. So, um, I kind of put it out of my mind, my sister-in-law ended up doing it. And one of my friends did it with mixed results. So it was something interesting. It was also something that's pretty pricey, but some insurance would cover it. And when I mean pretty pricey, I mean from four to $6,000 for these, this long series of treatments. So, and if you have had any of these mental health issues and you've struggled, you know, at some point the money doesn't matter. You're, you'll do anything to not feel the way you feel. So along these lines of looking into this transcranial thing and ayahuasca, and then more um, studies have been coming up about psychedelics in mental health. So psilocybin Psilocybin. mushrooms and ketamine and MDMA, which is um, some people call Molly. So I've been looking into these things and um, I haven't really been a big experimenter. Um, (laughs) <laughs> I don't think Jill we ever told this story. Yeah, you can tell, tell it. about. Yeah. yeah. So Jill and I actually had some friends that were doing Molly, and not like for mental health. They were just doing it for recreational fun um, in Vegas. I don't even know what year that was. It 20, was 2017. 2017. Yeah. Uh-huh. So we go to this hotel room. Everybody got the same amount, and actually, I was late. I flew in, so everybody started getting high before I got there. I get in there. I like open up the capsules, chomp it down, and literally feel nothing. So Jill and and Jill is like feeling nothing. And these people in the room are, you can tell they are, they are on Mars. They are in another planet. And I'm just watching going, what are they feeling that I'm not feeling? So all that to say, and even with ayahuasca, the first night, I really didn't feel anything. Jill didn't really have an experience. I kind of, in my brain, I'm like, I'm uh, immune to this shit. Like it doesn't work on me. (laughs) So I've had my own reservations around it, but trying to be open-minded and looking at the research and looking at the studies. And so I've looked at a lot of the science and I was actually, so you did NAD IVs, right? Yeah. Okay. So on clubhouse, and this is kind of how I got into what, what I did. I did a ketamine, um, some ketamine treatment. So when clubhouse was around, if y'all don't remember, it was a really short-lived app that everybody was talking on. And there was a, a room that somebody was talking about NAD. And they were talking about the NAD IVs and the 
uh, anti-aging benefits. And I was like, I need to get this. So I started Googling NAD Las Vegas. And what I came across was these ketamine treatment centers. And I started going down the rabbit hole of IV ketamine. And the only thing I'd ever heard of ketamine was that it was a horse tranquilizer. At least that was in my brain, what I think I heard of ketamine. And what I found was that a lot of places are starting to do IV ketamine treatments for PTSD, for depression, for managing mental health and suicidal ideation. And I thought this is very interesting. And a lot of them are combining it with NAD. So they say that NAD can help, help it last longer or make it more effective. So I started researching, there was maybe four or five clinics in Las Vegas. I made a bunch of phone calls. I asked a lot of questions and I finally found one in Utah, in Southern Utah. We're about two hours from Southern Utah here in Vegas. And I have a good friend out there and it was substantially cheaper. Um, and I like their protocol a little better. So the protocol in general is that they give you up to 500 milligrams of ketamine in an IV drip for about an hour. And they want you to do it two times a week for three weeks back to back. So basically six treatments really in a short succession. So it was better than the TMS. Cause instead of six weeks, you know, five days a week, you're only doing it two days a week for three weeks and then you're done. And this clinic in Utah would do, uh, two sessions back to back, they give you a third and then see how you feel. And then they could give you the three as you need it, which I kind of like that idea better. They said, some people don't really need those six right away. You can kind of spread them out. So I was open to it, ready to try it. I said, let's just give it a go. I had read that the efficacy was just as high and sometimes higher than TMS results. And a lot of people reported feeling better getting off their medication. Um, suicidal ideation was down, depression was down. And so, um, I was about to go out to Utah anyway. And so I figured I would go ahead and start my IV treatments. And two days before I got an email from the clinic saying they were going to do IV or ketamine assisted breath work. So I called them and said, Hey, I'm supposed to do the IV. Should I do, I want to try this breath work class too. Should I do one or the other? And they told me just to do the breath work. So, um, here's how it went. <laughs> so we went, uh, and I had Jeff do it with me. So you have to do an intake form. They, they want to know if you are suicidal, which is very interesting. And anybody who's gone through this, and I hate to say this, but for the most part, if you are suicidal, you kind of have to lie because if you are actually suicidal, they tend to deny you treatment, which is very bizarre. Um, or they think you're too at, you're too higher risk. Um, but in this case, usually if you are like very suicidal, they say that this helps like immediately, it's kind of one of those, like put a halt on it. So I'm just stating that here, because this is probably one of the ones, if you are feeling that way, that you probably don't want to lie about it. Um, a lot of places, and ugh, it's so bad to say, but I've been denied help that I really needed because I told the truth and it just sucks. It's really backwards in mental health. So, um, anyway, because of the breathwork class, they didn't want us to like freak out in class. They wanted to do a one-on-one -on -one session first. So Jeff and I went into this office and we had to actually go to the pharmacy first and pick up the ketamine. So the doctor prescribes it and they give you what it's called trochies and trochies basically look like little gum chiclets. They're like little squares and they feel like wax and you put them in your mouth. So each trochee was hundred milligrams of ketamine and you put one on each cheek and then you just let it dissolve. So 
The guy explained how it was going to go. He said, we were going to do some breath work. He was going to put on some meditation music. We were going to put the things in our mouth and they were going to dissolve. Then we were going to go to outer space and then come back. I guess in my brain, this was going to be a very light experience um, that I wasn't going to feel anything because historically I haven't had a lot of feeling. I didn't feel anything with MDMA, didn't feel much with ayahuasca a couple of times, Um, (laughs) but I definitely felt it. Um, So we went in, we put the things in our mouth, lay back. First off, tasted like ass. It was the worst. I kept making faces. And I would say about 10 to 15 minutes in, in my brain, I was thinking this isn't working. It's not doing anything, but he mentioned something about opening our eyes. And I thought my eyes were open and I realized they were tight shut and I could not open them. (laughs) (laughs) And as I'm sitting here telling myself that I don't feel anything, my body is like, so they call it dissociation. And I think what the reason this helps people get out of the depressive state is that you feel like you're just dissociated from your body. And I don't know, there's really no other word to describe it except for that. You literally feel like you're here, like your body's over here and your brain is in another section. Like there's two parts of you. And in the middle of it, um, my eyes were closed, but I felt like I could see lights. I felt like I could see like sand dripping down. I felt as if everything was in a distance. So I remember thinking almost you guys seen drone footage where a drone is going away from an Island and it just gets farther and farther. It was very different than, and I, you know, I've done a couple psilocybin ceremonies and psilocybin. I feel like there's a lot of emotions. There's a lot of crying, a lot of things that were processing with the ketamine. I felt, and I don't want to say numb, but I wasn't hot. I wasn't uh, happy. I wasn't sad. I was just, everything just was, it was just this vastness, this openness, but not a lightness. It was almost the feeling of being in a float tank. Have you ever done the float tanks? Mm -mm. So we, we did a float tank about two and a half weeks ago, and it felt very similar where your body is just weightless. So these float tanks, they're just super, super, super salty water. So there's no weight and it's supposed to be almost like, um, sensory deprivation. So the temperature of the water isn't cold or hot. You can hardly feel anything. They make the lights completely black. So you can't see anything and you're just floating. So you feel like you're weightless. And I would say the ketamine experience was very close to that. And so your mind can kind of go wherever, but you don't feel attached to your body. You don't feel attached to anything. Like if I tried to move my hands, it felt like they weren't my hands. It was just, Mm -hmm. I don't control my body. Um, and it was something that I wasn't scared of, you know, with ayahuasca, I felt like your brain could go way off and tell a story and get really weird. This was something that you were just there. It's you were fully present, but separate Mm -hmm. and it didn't last long. It actually went by really quickly. And I remember he started to say, okay, you can come out. And I was thinking, I don't want to, I just want to stay here. I just felt like I was almost asleep and dreaming. Mm -hmm. And we actually had to sit there for maybe 30, 40 minutes um, because we couldn't really walk. Our legs were really wobbly and they didn't tell us this before that we needed a driver. So we had driven. They're like, you don't plan on driving, right? And we're like, um, yeah, we thought this was just an hour session and we were just going to go home. So they told us we should wait for four hours. We ended up going on a walk to find food. And then I will say I felt completely peaceful completely empty and just really light. Mm -hmm. But the next fucking day, I, 
I've been having a really stressful time with a client of mine and um, just a lot of anxiety around this um, situation. The anxiety came back and Jeff was like, do you feel good? Do you feel the afterglow? I'm like, no, I'm still anxious today. I'm just anxious as fuck. So all that to say, it wasn't like a fix forever. At least it didn't last very long. We had one day off and then we went the next day to the breathwork class. And, and did that was it with, with a group of people. Yep. And so there ended up only being four of us. And then um, I think four other people on Zoom. It was a similar experience, vastness, emptiness, lightness, just feeling really separate. But it was interesting because I ended up asking that the two other people in our group also did IV treatments at that center and the, instru- I guess, I don't facilitator, I guess I want to call him. I said, so what do you guys think about the IV treatments? Because that's what I was going to do until I did this. And the facilitator actually suggested that this was a little bit better because you can control it. You can control Mm. it with the breath versus the IV. You're kind of just getting dumped into a stream and you just hold on and go for that ride. And even the kid there who had done IV, he said it was, he goes, well, I don't want to use the word violent, but it sounds like you're just like jumping on a roller coaster and you just can't get off until they do the I till the IV drip gets out. So even though I read a lot of research that the IV was the best, getting their firsthand experience, it sounded like maybe that's not the way I want to go. I'm not sure. I might try one or two, but I'm not sure I'm going to do a whole series. Um, so we we got some of those extra trochies. And actually, Jeff and I did a session last night in our bedroom. We're like, okay, let's go ahead because we had some extra. So we made a little playlist and we did it on our own. And I will say today, so this is my third time now, today is probably the first day where I did feel a lot more peace, a lot more calm. So I'm wondering, Mm. and I'll just like, we'll see how this goes, but I'm wondering if it is something that just over time starts to work. Cause I know the very next day I felt anxious right away. I didn't have any like immediate benefit. Um, the, the facilitator did tell me if you're like on the verge of committing suicide, do the IV, like go in and get it done. And it'll help basically just separate you immediately from that thought and and take it away. Mm -hmm. I just think that it's really interesting. And I wish they had these things back when I was younger, but I'm, you know, I'm liking the idea that we're trying different things to help people work through mental health issues, things that could have longer lasting effects, things that could help with PTSD and, um, and trauma. And I don't mind being a, a guinea pig, I guess, in this, um, it's been really interesting to see where it's going. And I actually, and I don't know if I told you this, but there's a group called microdose. They do a big conference every year for psychedelics, psychedelics and medicine and mental health, um, and the, and science. And they were asking for people to host events in each city. And so I applied to be the chapter head of microdose Las Vegas. And I got accepted recently, which now I'm like, why? Cause I don't want to host an event, but, uh, <laughs> but the goal of microdose is to bring voices of science into like their big thing. Their number one thing is science-based two is, uh, inclusivity, just bringing in different voices and three is like safety. Um, but just to bring the real truth, you know, we did ayahuasca in the jungle and it was very traditional. It was very, uh, I don't know. How would you explain it? Ceremonial. Yeah. It was a Peruvian. There were shamans. It was very ceremonial and yeah. So it was, yeah, it was the ceremony, ceremonial and very woo woo. Okay. Let's just say like, it's 
a little more woo-woo and spiritual. Yeah. What I like about this movement that's happening is yeah, I, they didn't really explain the science to us. Yeah. If that's yeah. what you're saying. Like yeah. it, when we were doing ayahuasca, they wasn't like, this is what happens in your brain. Yeah. I think I knew more about MDMA from a scientific perspective, especially yeah. because like the serotonin dump and all that. Yep. I knew more about that than ayahuasca, which is like, drink this magic potion <laughs> yeah. from the jungle. And you're like, yeah. and you will be off and you, you'll die in your mind, basically. <laughs> yeah. Hey, besties, we want to let you know about the happiness diet. The happiness diet is a program created just for people like you, people who want to be more confident, have more compassion for yourself, get some clarity around your purpose and have some more belief in yourself. If you find yourself struggling, stuck, just in a weird spot or transition in your life, Jill and I created this program just for you. Um, go over to the happiness It is a life-changing program. There's so much content in here. I, we should we should charge triple quadruple amount for it, but we want you to have it. We want to help you get out of your own way. So check it out right now, the happiness I think that there is, and this is what I would like to see happen. I think healing needs to be more mainstream. And I think sometimes in these circles where psilocybin is used and maybe even ketamine and ayahuasca. It's so ceremonial and so spiritual that it might turn off people who are a little more pragmatic and who might need it. Um, I mean, I'm thinking about veterans with PTSD who yeah. are just like men who are like having these issues and they're like, I'm not going to go to some woo woo shit. And so I am really interested and curious and kind of doing a lot of this self exploration. Um, and trying to figure out a way that people can find healing where they don't have to go outside of their comfort zone spiritually. I think for some people, even their religion might right. keep them from exploring some of these. And so if we can pull apart the science and say, here's the reason why it could work. Here's the reason why it can help you. you here's know, exactly what's religion. happening, right? Yes. Like just give people more information yes. instead of being like, oh, this is, I mean, ayahuasca, and I won't say anything bad about it because I know it's helped a lot of people, but the way they describe it is like, you call it mother ayahuasca. Like literally yeah. they call it like the grandmother. They're like, this is a tradition that's been passed down over generations through shamans and whatever. And it doesn't really exactly. So for, especially for someone like me and you who are, I don't know, like much more just, I don't know, pragmatic, more rational, more like I'm a science person. I want to know like, cool, what's happening in the brain when that happens. And the more information I think that you have about biochemically what's happening, what areas of the brain it's activating, why that might be happening. And obviously there, there isn't a lot of money to go into these studies. I think that's one of the biggest issues we're starting to see now some research come out, like some real research, peer-reviewed studies coming out around psilocybin use, especially for uh, anxiety and PTSD and depression and addiction even. But we need more of that to like, yeah. I agree with you so that people who are more, a little bit more pragmatic and maybe a little bit less fringe are more likely to try them, especially if there is some efficacy there. Um, you know, of course it's, you're always sort of up against big pharma, right? Like that's the thing is like big pharma has, they have the money and they have the backing and they have the lobbyists and they have all that stuff. So that's what I think is going to be probably some of the hardest stuff is really getting some of these more alternative, uh, what's it called? Like alternative approaches into mm -hmm. more mainstream is because they just don't really always have the financial backing, you know? So it's like, and it's, but it's an herb, it's a fucking mushroom, right? So yeah. you think about it from that perspective, there's, you know, there's not a lot of money to be made. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. Cause I was, that was one of the issues I can see coming out of 
the positives about getting these studies is that we're finding, we're finding solutions. We're finding things that work. The negative though, is that big pharma is going to come in and create their own version of whatever it is and kind of take away potentially, you know, what's really out there. And I mean, it's really interesting because, you know, obviously the THC industry is becoming a lot more mainstream. Mm -hmm. You're definitely seeing a lot more people, especially older people, more conservative people, more people who are dealing with like cancer and other illnesses really turning to, um, you know, marijuana use to like help with their symptoms. It's a little bit more mainstream. Of course, I live in California, live in Vegas. So I don't know if it's hit the Midwest, like it has, um, out here, but it's much more accepted. And, and yeah, a lot of people are making a lot of money on that as well, but it's, it's, but it's still interesting because in LA they have weed delivery and that's what I use. Cause I, I take THC at night, I take edibles for bed and they still, it's not backed by the FDIC. So they can't take credit cards. They only can take uh, cash or debit. And so we still have like some uphill battles to go there, but I mean, I, I'm hoping that at least mushrooms are sort of the next frontier. I really, I really do too. It's interesting that ketamine is already legal and mushrooms are not. Um, what the facilitator told us was that ketamine was originally used in Vietnam and they would give it to vets who were like injured on the I don't want to say field, but I guess field, you know, if they were injured because it would, because of the dissociation, they could get out, basically get out of their body. Let's say if their legs were blown off or something, yeah. they could just give it to them. It works very quickly and they weren't freaking out and having all this pain and stress and struggling because they instantly could just separate from the, what had just happened to them, which you have to imagine is huge and gives someone so much peace. Imagine being in war and having your freaking legs blown off and being able to take something that keeps you from freaking out and you're able to stay calm in that situation. I will say, because I have had experience now with ayahuasca, with psilocybin and with ketamine, each one of them does have their own place for different things. Um, I wouldn't necessarily feel like ketamine would heal past traumas. I think what it can do is give you some separation from it. Um, I didn't feel a lot of emotions on it. And this is my personal experience. Maybe IV is a little bit different. Um, I've only done it three times, so who knows, but mushrooms I've only done a couple of times as well. And I feel a lot more, uh, emotional connected. And I felt like I've gone through a lot more, uh, past, experiences that I was able to reprocess and kind of get through. And what I mean by that is, you know, going through pieces of my divorce and family history and forgiveness of my parents and forgiveness through family and just going through that kind of thing while on psilocybin mushrooms and ayahuasca, those were both more emotional things that I kind of processed and came through with a different perspective and a lot more peace. Ketamine, I didn't have any thoughts didn't really have any stories go through my mind. didn't have anything that I was reprocessing. So in one hand, what I would say is in case you have anything, maybe you have a history of abuse or rape or something really traumatic, some kind of PTSD experience, I believe, and I would have to look this up and see if anyone else can verify this, but I believe that you would like, you would be less likely to have a recurring experience of that event on ketamine. Mm -hmm. I think psilocybin, you likely could ayahuasca. You likely could, you can have flashbacks of things happening with ketamine. It doesn't seem like it's the kind of thing that's going to give you flashbacks. That's going to bring up 
crappy memories that you don't want to relive. So that's a positive. If you do have some of those things that you kind of need to separate from before you're able to process them. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's just interesting. It's something that's out there and, um, that I'm, you know, wanting to look more into and figure out how to bring it to more people. I really think that we have all these things and we have the ability to help people. And, you know, there's, I know during the pandemic and since there's a lot more suicides and depression and people just really, really struggling. And so if there's tools out there that can help besides just getting on meds, which to me, a lot of times just as a bandaid and masks, the symptoms and doesn't really address the deeper issues. If we have a way to address the deeper issues without causing more damage and harm, mm. then I'm all for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is such a great conversation because I think it's so easy, especially if you are, I don't know, maybe a little bit older or something to just be like, that's drugs. You know, I think like the eighties kind of turned us into like, don't do drugs and like, oh, it's like, it's bad as a drug. But like, it sounds like everything you just described was very much like chaperoned and like, yeah. uh, like safety measures put in place. So it's not like you're sitting there like re recreationally taking drugs. They even said that to us when we did ayahuasca, they were like, people don't do this recreationally. It's not exactly a blast. Like, it's not like, oh, we're going to like an EDM concert right now. It's like, you really only do that. I think we, if you guys have not listened to the um, episodes we did on ayahuasca, make sure you go back and listen to those. But you know, the average age of the person in the ayahuasca ceremonies was like probably 55. There was a lot of people there who were just older and really not there to have fun. They were there to uh, overcome an illness, an ailment, an addiction, a like, you know, so I do think, do believe that we have to sort of, if these things are going to become more mainstream, we have to drop the stigma of like it's drugs. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think, <laughs> I mean, I think we're doing that with THC for sure. I mean, CBD, THC, um, and I, I can see this happening more and more with some of these alternative approaches. And it sounds like if there's something there that can be done that feels um, safe, then we have to sort of explore it. But I'm glad that we're having this conversation. I always love the story of you telling your parents about doing ayahuasca and their first response was like, you did drugs in the jungle. And then you told them the entire experience. And by the end of it, they were like, wow. That's amazing. We're really proud of you. Proud of you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because of just the transformation that you had had, the emotional sort of transformation that you had um, through the ceremony. So I think that it still is fairly taboo. I think it's easy to be like, oh, they're druggies or whatever. Like I've even found myself at times saying that there's a lot of, especially in the fitness industry, and you, you and I came up in the competition scene. There was a lot of Coke, a lot mm -hmm. of, um, you know, what was it? G. You know, yeah. just a lot of like hard drugs that you're like, okay, that's not like for like overcoming your trauma. That's literally to like mask your problems. Right. So I do think it's important to have the information and to be discerning, which of course is why we wanted to share this with you. And I just think it's really courageous of you to share this, you know, with our listeners, because this is a service for, for people. Yeah. I'm glad, you know, I'm glad we did talk about it because it is one of those things you kind of wonder how much to share or not, you know, right. I haven't really shared about my psilocybin you know, journeys and I've only done a few times. Um, but it's just something that I've been definitely more open to. And I think sometimes we, you do become more open if you're desperate, you know, and unfortunately, sometimes we get to that situation, that place where we are desperate, but that's oftentimes when we are more open to a true transformation. I mean, like we talk about our body image stuff 
And the only reason I think either one of us got to a place of acceptance and like moderation is because we were desperate. It was like, okay, I can't live like this anymore. I need to try something new. And that's kind of what it came down to with ayahuasca and and these kind of things. I don't think I would have been as open to it years ago, kind of been more of like, okay, these weirdos doing drugs, (laughs) weirdos in the jungle or hippies or whatever. But I think that the science is there to back it. And while some of the, the ceremonial ways about going about it maybe seem kind of hippy dippy. The truth is, is that there's still efficacy in, in these things and there's wisdom in some of these plants and these medicines. So how you go about it can be through a medical way or could be through a, you know, a little experiment in the jungle, but I am hoping that over the next decade or so it can be more mainstream and you can have your choice of how you would like to do it. And in fact, I met this woman in Vegas um, I was looking up ayahuasca Vegas because Jeff's been wanting to do it. And I was wondering if anybody could just do it here. So we didn't have to go to Costa Rica. Um, and I found this woman and she does psilocybin ceremonies. And she asked me if I did it with her and I haven't done it with her. Um, she goes, do you prefer a more like talk-based approach or do you feel would you prefer a little more ceremonial or a little of both? And I was like, you know, maybe both like full-on ceremony with the saging and the the incense doesn't really do it all for me talking through. I did a psilocybin journey that I was kind of talking through and it was a little bit of both for me. That's kind of the way I like it, but I think some people would like one way or another. Some people really like the ceremonial piece of it and the the music and the smoke and all of that. And that's perfect for them. And some people need a little bit more pragmatic approach and they need to kind of have it be more like a therapy session and that's perfect for them. And some people can kind of have a combination of both. And I think that what's really cool about what's happening is that we're able to have a little bit of everything here and you can do what works for you. And so you can have the healing that you really, really want without, I don't know, feeling really weird and knowing that it could really work for you. Yeah. And of course, you know, it would be really nice to be able to go to a doctor or go to someone when you're feeling depressed or anxious or having suicidal thoughts and literally have the option. Like we can put you on something like Wellbutrin or Zoloft, or we could do an alter more of an alternative, you know, uh, unconventional more approach. And here's the thing. If you guys are, you know, on meds right now, it's super common, by the way, you guys, if, so don't ever feel like that's taboo or whatever, but if you are on a med and it's working for you, we're not saying get off it and like, try this thing. If it's working for you, it's working for you. But if you're starting to feel like, oh, I wish there was something else, then, you know, the, this is kind of why we want to have this conversation, not to be like, this is better or worse. Um, but just to know that there's something else out there that could be something else out there. Yeah. And absolutely do not get off your meds before talking to a doctor or doing any of this. In fact, I asked about that before doing ketamine and they said to keep, to stay on your meds because you don't know what would be working or whatnot, or what kind of side effects you might have. So I am actually still back on, I got off again, like last year, last August for a couple of months and wasn't doing the best in February, got back on and I've been on and I stayed on through this ketamine experience. So just FYI, um, if you want to know where I'm at, that's where I'm at. And definitely don't recommend getting off anything without talking to a doctor, without weaning properly and, um, without, yeah, getting a lot more information, just don't jump off and go, I'm going to just do mushrooms and stop (laughs) taking my meds today. Like, no, no, no. 
don't take this as I'm saying that at all. Cause I'm yeah. definitely not <laughs> love it. Well, thank you so much for sharing. This is really enlightening. And I, it, it was always fun for me because you hadn't even told me this story. So yeah. it's definitely fun for me to hear in real time with our listeners. And just thank you for sharing. I know sometimes these conversations can be a little bit scary to share publicly, but I think it's definitely a service and we appreciate your courage. Yeah. Thanks so much. And y'all, if you have questions, feel free to DM me, um, on Instagram at dannyj.com. I'll I'll do my best to answer your questions or give you any referrals should you need them in your and area or your experience. If you guys have had experiences with alternative approaches and what has worked for you, what maybe what hasn't worked for you. We know we had a lot of people listen to the ayahuasca episodes way back. I think that was over two years ago now. Um, but love to hear from you guys. Of course, you can always reach us in our Facebook group at thebestlifepodcast.com. There's a link to join our Facebook group there. I uh, always love getting feedback on these episodes. And of course, if you guys have any other things you would like to talk about us to talk about, you know, related to this or not, we would love to hear those as well. And we always appreciate you guys sharing your feedback with us. All right. See y'all. All right. Bye guys. Bye.